Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. You're tuning in for our series EQ, where we're learning how to develop emotional intelligence so that we can have thriving relationships. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Relationships can be tricky. It can feel like you're always trying to guess what the other person is thinking. This causes disconnection, creates confusion, and as a result, we tell ourselves all sorts of stories that end up bringing tension or friction to our relationships. Instead, let's learn how to remain calm and connected to each other. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, we can develop both the heart and the head skills we need to have relationships full of love, life, and meaningful connections. So back in the fall, both our kids went off to their college programs, and my wife Colleen and I officially became empty nesters. Uh, Colleen cried a little at first, you know, she missed her babies. I cried a little too, mainly tears of joy and freedom. Uh, but suddenly we had Saturdays all to ourselves and, and it's like, hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? I, I said, and, and Colleen said, well, I'd like to go shopping with, with my friends. COVID was just over. She's like, I just want to go to the mall like a normal person now and look in some stores, maybe grab lunch with my girls. What are you going to do? And I was like, anything I want. <laughs> I said, I think I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to tinker around in the garage and maybe go fishing. And she's like, great. Let's meet up for dinner between five and six. I'll make flank steak, your favorite. And I was like, Yes. Bourbon Street shake with an Oreo shake and some whipped cream on the top. Can I, we watch a movie after? She's like, yeah. I was like, guys, this is shaping up to be the perfect little Saturday. And so off she drives to the mall. I go off to the stream. I caught a couple of trout, spend the afternoon with the dog and the sunshine. I got home a little bit after four and I take the flank steak out of the freezer. And Colleen wasn't home yet. No big deal, you know, but then all of a sudden it's like, hey, it's five o'clock. I still hadn't heard from her. Usually she texts me, you know, with her ETA. And so I'm like, should I be worried? I was like, nah, whatever. I just, so I sat down on the couch and I, I flipped on Sports Center. I, 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 I checked my phone. And I'm like, still no text. And now it's 5.30. And so now I take my phone and I text her. I'm like, ETA, question mark, no reply. And now I'm not feeling worried anymore. Now I'm moving more towards annoyed. Because they're like, we're going to have flank steak at six o'clock. We got to get grilling, you know? So I, so I turn on the grill. I wait 20 minutes. Still no text, no call. So I call her. And not only does that woman not pick up, I get sent straight to voicemail. So now I'm more than annoyed, I'm mad. Because it's six o'clock on Saturday night. I am ready for flank steak while she's out flanking around with her friends. Sorry, I'm a pastor, but I was having bad thoughts. I'm like, what in the world is she doing? Like, did she, did she forget about me? Like how rude, are, she didn't even have the courtesy to call or text me. And then I had this terrible thought scroll through my mind. I was like, she's having more fun shopping with her friends than feeding her husband. Ladies, hell hath no fury like a hungry husband. <laughs> and in my mind, I, I, like, I literally could see her with all these shopping bags on her arms, <laughs> just laughing with her friends while I'm suffering at home all alone on this stupid couch. So I'm like, you know what? I'll show her. I take the flank steak, chuck it back in the freezer. 
I rummage around. I find a frozen pizza from Costco. Chuck it in the microwave. And I sit down on the couch. You know what? I'm like, I'm going to start watching a movie without her. And it's going to be a war movie. No rom-com with Sandra Bullock. I am watching American Sniper for the ninth time. And I am not changing it when she gets home. Okay? Click. So about 25 minutes later, I hear her car pull in the driveway. And she's actually talking on the phone like she's in no big rush. She's, she goes to the front door. She's trying to get her keys in. And I pretend, I'm not even looking. I'm like, I don't even notice. I'm watching my sniper movie. And so she comes in, puts her bags down, and she's on the phone. She's like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Yeah, I'll call you tomorrow. Love you. Bye-bye. I'm like, bye-bye. Love you. You know, like she just spent the whole day with a girlfriend. She can't live for 30 minutes without him. And so she comes over. And gives me a kiss on the cheek and says, hey, honey, sorry I'm late. And I just keep watching TV. I'm all frosty. And I'm like, yeah, I already ate. I'm not hungry anymore. And she's like, oh, well, your mom needed a lot of support. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I've been on the phone with your mom for the last hour. I don't know if it's a panic attack she's having, but she was just crying, overwhelmed with anxiety. She just needed someone to talk to. I'm like, uh, is she okay? She's like, yeah, she's fine. I'll call her again tomorrow. You know, it's not even easy having older parents. I actually ran into my mom at the mall, she says, and you know, she has trouble driving at dusk, so I drove her home first. That's why I'm late. Then I talked to your mom on the extra hour ride home. Sorry, I couldn't talk and text you at the same time. Anyway, I'm glad to finally be home and relax with you, my love. Did you turn on the grill? I just sat there staring at my frozen furious pizza crust. And all I could think was hashtag husband fail. <laughs> Somewhere in the distance, I heard a rooster crowing, hashtag pastor fail, hashtag human moment. <laughs> we all have them, don't we? Especially with those we love. There's just these moments where you feel hurt or disappointed or rejected by, by somebody that you love and trust. And instead of establishing the facts, watch this. In our minds, we tell ourselves a story about what that other person is doing and just how wrong they are and how right we are. And we feel so justified until we come face to face with the truth. As Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But first, it will make you miserable. I want to welcome you to part two of our series, EQ, Emotionally Intelligent Relationships. You guys know what IQ stands for, intelligence quotient. EQ is emotional intelligence. In other words, IQ is book smarts, but EQ is people smarts. And today I want to share a message that I'm calling the story I'm telling myself. What we're doing this month is giving you practical tools to help you build emotionally healthy relationships with those you love, with your boyfriend or girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your, your parent, your, your child, or your teenager. It's not actually just romantic or family relationships. You want to have emotional, intelligent relationships at your work, or with your roommate, or your friends, or your in-laws. Like Pastor Cairo taught us last week, the degree to which we love people is actually the degree to which we love God. You know, as Christ followers, we're called by Jesus to love at a higher level, what I call a cruciform level. I want you to think about this. At the center of our faith is a cross, right? This is, this is the preeminent symbol known around the world as a symbol of the love of God. And you notice that a cross is actually made up of two beams. There's one vertical beam, and then there's the horizontal beam. 
Think of it this way. Your vertical beam represents your relationship with God, right? You have this relationship of, of God's love, his mercy, his forgiveness and grace. He's always, when you stumble, he's always picking you up. Come on back, come back. But this horizontal beam represents your relationship with other people. Jesus says, now that I've saved you, I want you to love others the way I loved you. I want you to sacrifice for them. Put them first. Go the extra mile. Show them extraordinary love and patience and mercy and grace and forgiveness. So Christianity is cruciform. And it's impossible to love God well when you love others worse. It just doesn't work. Have you actually noticed this? I've noticed that a lot of Christians, we actually like to play God. When we tell ourselves stories about another person's behavior or their motives without verifying the facts. And those stories that you make up in your mind cause a lot of pain and needless confusion. Those stories, I've seen them create friction in families, make marriages miserable. I've seen those stories cause people quit their jobs, even quit the church. For instance, I want you to imagine you're part of a small group here at Liquid or a dream team and you're planning a big event and you're trading emails with the rest of your team. But one of the members, let's uh, fictitiously call him Pastor Mike Lee, <laughs> who used to be, he used to be warm and friendly. And he starts to responding to you with really short, terse replies. And you're like, man, he's acting all like passive aggressive. Mike must be mad at me for something. And you're like, you know what? Two can play at that game. And so you, you fire off a few, a few, you know, short, curt emails in return. And then on Sunday, you see Mike at the huddle, but actually he's really warm and engaging. He, like nothing's wrong. He even brings you a cup of coffee. He's like, hey, how was your weekend? And you suddenly realize the story you've been telling yourself about Mike being mad wasn't even close. Think about it. You cause all that angst and watch this, slandered your brother in your heart. You know, if you open your Bible to Exodus, you'll see that famous list of the Ten Commandments. And in a lot of ways, the Ten Commandments are like the house rules that God the Father tapes to the refrigerator for his family, Israel. And he's like, all right, kids, you know the basics. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not root for the eagles. <laughs> but notice, but notice here, too soon. But notice, the Ninth Commandment says... You shall not give, what's it say, church? False testimony against your neighbor. God's like, I don't want you to go making up stories about your neighbor that aren't true, especially to yourself. Because the reality is every time you have an assumption about someone who's hurt you or offended you or disappointed you without checking the facts, you are believing a lie about this person in your head. You're bearing false witness. And if you consistently tell yourself negative stories or you ascribe malignant motives to them, it's like you're planting landmines in the relationship. Get ready for this. You are, have landmines to get through. You're building up invisible walls to keep them out. And worst of all, you actually quench the Holy Spirit inside of you. And we do this all the time. For instance, at work, let's say you go to work this week and there's this colleague coming at you in the hallway and you know her and she's walking down everything. You're like, hey, and they don't even make eye contact. They just look straight ahead and they don't engage you in conversation. Do you just go like, oh, whatever? No. <laughs> Your brain goes into overdrive and you begin making up a story like, they must be mad at me. I, I must have done something to upset them. And then you play it over like, what was our last conversation? Or at school, if you're a teacher and a parent doesn't respond to the, you send them an email about their student and they don't respond, you're like, are they gonna, are they gonna blame me for being a poor teacher? Am I gonna get pulled in some legal meeting? If you post something on your blog and not a single person likes what you wrote. Nobody even comments. 
You start telling yourself a story. My writing is crap. Nobody cares what I think. And you start to question, should I even continue to post stuff, right? Make these stories. But what if at work, your colleague who blew you off was actually just busy thinking about her husband's birthday? Or at school, what if that parent is fully aware and concerned about their child, but they're not sure how to respond because they're actually just embarrassed about their kid's behavior. They don't even know what to say. Or online, listen, not everybody is going to connect with everything you post, but it doesn't necessarily mean you need to stop writing, does it? See, the stories we tell ourselves cause so much misunderstanding, pain, and confusion for people. And Jesus warned against this. If you open your Bible, it's also in the mobile app notes, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus sat down and he gave his disciples a masterclass in EQ. He says, boys, I want you to listen carefully. You ready for this? Write this down. Do not, what's it say, church? Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus asks a great question here. He's basically saying to you, let me ask, by default, are you generous in your interpretation of other people in your life? Do you believe the best about them? Or do you assume the worst? P.S. Aren't you glad God believes the best about you all the time? Jesus continues. He says, why then do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the what? To the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. And Jesus says, he's kind of a little saucy here. He's just like, you hypocrite, man, you two-faced. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And Jesus essentially is saying here, he's like, boys, here's the deal. We all got these blind spots. You guys, I've shown you this before. It's like, you got a plank in your eye and you can't really see other people clearly, right? Put it, put it right now. Put your hand over one of your eyes and look at your neighbor. Look at him and now go, arg. Okay. <laughs> He's, Jesus is like, we all got a blind spot and some of us got this like little speck and then some of us are walking around like this. Hey, Mike, what's going on? How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm good, man. I can see everything. When you walk around this, you start knocking into people and you hurt other people and you hurt yourself. So here's the big idea. You ready? If you're taking notes, you never assume you know what a person is thinking or feeling without asking them. Now, it's gonna be hard for some of you because some of you are like, man, I read people really well. <laughs> In fact, if there's a problem with them, you need to, Jesus says, I want you to assume they have a speck. They've got a little part of the problem, but you can't see it clearly. So Jesus says, I want you to first focus on the plank in your own eye. In other words, when you feel upset, I can't believe she did that. When you feel hurt, he didn't remember that birthday or that anniversary. When you are angry, my kids, I am just going to kill them when they get home. When you're disappointed at your in-laws, they did that again. Jesus says, you need first to look at what's going inside your own heart. What's happening here? What is triggering your own reaction and causing you to judge them so harshly? Some of you may know the author, Brene Brown. She's a research professor. She's written multiple New York Times bestsellers and did this research on vulnerability and shame and empathy. And her book, Rising Strong, Dr. Brown notes that our brains are these story-making machines because we want to understand meaning. So whenever something happens that causes you stress, you get stressed. Someone causes you pain, they hurt your feelings, they offend you. You get confused because you lack data what's really going on. And your brain 
goes into high gear in story-making mode. And we tell ourselves a story that, watch this, asides blame to the other person as a way of protecting ourselves against further threat. Put your armor on. I don't want to get disappointed again. I don't want to be rejected again. And here's what she wrote. Listen to what she wrote. She said, when the brain senses danger or stress, it craves a story that will help make sense of the situation. Who's against us? Who's on our side? Who's dangerous? Who might hurt us? Most of us make up stories that exaggerate our fears and anxieties. And then she writes, our brains love these stories and they chemically reward us with a sense of calm for having a complete story, even when the story isn't accurate. See, why do we do this? Essentially, storytelling imposes order on chaos, including messy emotional chaos. So when Colleen wasn't home on time and I didn't know why, I made up a story. I'm like, she's having more fun shopping with her friends than feeding her hungry husband. <laughs> she forgot all about me. She's neglecting me. I had no grasp of the facts, the truth that she was lovingly going out of the way to care for my mom. Notice how I made up a story, by the way, judging my wife. Isn't that nice? You're welcome. You're, that's your pastor. <laughs> It's so I could be mad. I want to stay mad and blame her for my disappointment. Rather, watch this, than admitting the truth of my own heart. What's going inside underneath this plank? Here it is. I felt hurt. Like she forgot about me. I was looking forward to date night. And here's the truth. Can I, can I tell you something honest? I really should only tell my therapist this. I'll tell you. There's a little boy in me somewhere that likes mama to come home and cook dinner. <laughs> And when that expectation wasn't met, that little boy threw a tantrum. I'm going to eat a pizza and watch American Sniper. <laughs> it's silly, right? It's a lie from the pit of hell. But that's the story my brain made up to deal with my disappointment. My wife forgot about me. I'm going to starve. <laughs> but it made me feel justified in being mad. And I'm going to punish her with the cold shoulder when she gets home, you know? In some ways, I, I told myself a lie about my loving wife and judged her in my heart without any facts. Brene Brown gives an example of how her husband came home after a busy day at work. They both worked. She was working all day too, caring for her kids. And, and her husband opens the refrigerator and he says, oh, we have no groceries, not even lunch meat. And Brene shot back. She said, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, you can shop too. But she said, inside, here's what she wrote. She said, I knew exactly what was going on. I had turned his little comment into a story about how I'm a disorganized, unreliable partner and mother. I apologized and started my next phrase with the phrase, this is the key, that's become a lifesaver in my marriage, my parenting and professional life. Listen to this. The story I'm telling myself is that you were blaming me for not having groceries, that I was screwing up. Her husband quickly said, I'm not blaming you at all. He said, I'm just, I'm just hungry and I, I, I didn't have time to go to the store yet. But did you catch the phrase that unlocked the truth in their marriage? She said, the story I'm telling myself. Five words that can transform any relationship. Say these with me. The story I'm telling myself. This is a powerful way for you to reckon with the truth of what you're feeling when there's conflict without blaming the other person. 
Notice when you say, you know, the story I'm telling myself, it removes any defensiveness. You're not attacking them anymore, but also lets them understand how you're feeling in the moment. And the truth is, for a lot of us, we'd rather be mad than admitting we feel vulnerable, afraid, or inadequate. That's what human beings do, right? If you feel exposed or hurt, you got to find somebody to blame that on. Or, or you're like, oh, I don't really care, man. I don't care, man. Oh. And that crazy thought spiral begins. So here is the EQ skill of the day. How in the world do you pull this plank out? You share the story you're telling and you ask for the truth. Instead of making up a silent story in your head, you got to muster up the courage to speak out loud and tell that person the story I'm telling myself. Say that with me. The story I'm telling myself is, is that accurate? And you check the facts with them. Is that true? Guys, this has been a game changer for Colleen and I over the years. You know, this summer, we will celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. Look at that picture, man. I, I look at that, I think, who are those thin people? <laughs> Over two and a half decades of marriage is a practical skill that has interrupted our crazy cycle of arguments, created intimacy and closeness instead of distance and defensiveness. And so I asked my bride to come out here so we can model this skill for you. Would you welcome my wife, Colleen? Amazing, baby. Thank you for, for coming out. Hi, this everyone. Is, this is amazing. Does it, you look, doesn't she look beautiful? Sorry, I'm going to embarrass you. She looks beautiful. <laughs> so listen. Let's rewind the clock 20 years. Okay. Because the first few marriages, the first few years of our marriage, <laughs> first few marriages I've had were, the first few years were hard for us, weren't they? They were really hard. You have all these expectations of how married life is supposed to go, and then you realize it's very different than what you expected. It is. Well, what do you mean by that? Is that <laughs> the story I'm telling myself is you're blaming me for the early struggles. There's nothing there. <laughs> we, we struggled because here's the main reason. I came from a family that didn't really do feelings. Like, especially like the, the harder ones, like sadness or anger or loss. So if, if we felt disappointed, we didn't say anything. We just got quiet. Right. And my family of origin was the exact opposite. We are Irish, we are Italian, and we get really loud. <laughs> so when we had conflict early on, we would just chase each other around in these crazy circles. I would, I'd get quiet and withdrawn, unsure, unsure. Like, what am I even feeling? And Kyle would, you kind of poke and prod me, get me to talk, which would make me withdraw more. It was like we were doing donuts in an emotional cul-de-sac, okay? Is that a picture for you? In a Z, IROC Z28, okay? <laughs> but we have, we've come a long way, have we, We maybe? have, honey, we have. we have. Because we've learned to do two things. We stopped trying to take the speck out of each other's eyes. And instead, we've gotten better at focusing on what's going on in our own hearts and sharing the stories we're telling ourselves so that we can check the facts against the truth. Now that story, that, that phrase, that we, we use this a lot. The story I'm telling myself, it's been so helpful in our marriage. Yes, absolutely. Even in our friendships, in our parenting, because ladies, listen, intuition is our superpower from God, right? We can often read between the lines. We see what's happening, whether it's spoken or not. And that can be very, very helpful in relationships. But it also has a shadow side because I can tell a story that's completely untrue and let my mind spiral. I, I think we all can. You know, if that situation with the flank steak happened, like in our first three years of marriage, what would we have done? 
Yeah. So um, I would honest, have, I would have walked place. in and Tim would have had what I like to refer to as his silent snit. This is where he gets all withdrawn and sulky. And um, I would have said, hi, honey, what's wrong? And you would say nothing, nothing and sulk away. And I would grill the flank steak, feeling hurt and confused because I invested a lot of time in his mother, thinking that I was loving my husband by doing that. And then I would have felt guilty, but, but watch this, tried to justify by saying like, we well, know at least you should have texted me. I, I should have texted you. But this, this whole example makes me laugh because honestly, in our marriage, um, Tim is late 99% of the time. <laughs> this might be the one example where I was late. It's so, just, that's just a speck, honey. That's just a no, speck. No, no, it's a plank. Do <laughs> you see how fruitless this is? You, you literally spiral in conflict where you're just pointing the fingers and you're playing this blame game. But instead, we invested in the marital EQ of our relationship through prayer, through counseling, through discipleship. God began teaching us, mainly me, a new language of emotional honesty. And let me be honest, it felt like a foreign language at first but it gave me a new tool to share how I'm truly feeling inside and actually focus on, oh, the plank in my eye, not the speck in hers. Yeah, and for me, who does have a strong intuition and I'm more comfortable with emotion, learning to say the story I'm telling myself has helped me not to load on so much guilt and shame for not living up to others' expectations or even my own expectations. Oh yeah, that's interesting. When I, when I fall short, I go to blame. Well, it's her, you know. When you kind of fall, you go to shame, Definitely. right? You internalize it. Definitely. It's like blame and shame. It's like Adam and Eve back in the garden, all right? But that's in the past, almost 20 years ago. So what does this look like today? Can we just model this maybe for folks? Sure, let's do it. So if the flank steak story happened today, what would we do? Well, instead of sulking and trying to punish you with my frozen pizza, I'll show her. Uh, I'd probably get up and engage you at the door. And I'd apologize for running late. And I would say, here's the hard part for me. I'd say, hey, listen, I was like looking forward to dinner at six and the story I'm telling myself, this is going to sound stupid, but the story I'm telling myself is that you had so much fun shopping with your girlfriends that you actually forgot about me. Actually, that, honey, that I would never forget about you. And that makes me so sad to even hear that, that you'd think that. I had to give my mom a ride home from the mall and then I was on the phone the whole ride home with your mom. Oh. So I couldn't text or pick up your calls. Thank you for doing that. Well... Your mom did say that you didn't answer your phone, so she called me. So the story I'm telling myself is that you were too busy watching Sniper Movie. Okay, don't just weaponize kidding. this. Just what kidding. you don't want to do is weaponize. You see how it works though, right? It's just this tool to address misunderstanding. Whenever you feel flooded with emotion, mad, sad, stressed, or hurt, you say, the story I'm telling myself, say that with me, the story I'm telling myself, I'm going to pull the plank out of my own eye instead of pointing out the speck in hers. Yeah, and I've used this in relationship with friends and in situations at work. Um, recently, I saw one of my employees at work looking at job postings on LinkedIn. And Tim has shared a little bit through the fast that my company is struggling right now. And so you need to understand, in my mind, there's a lot of self-doubt going on. There's a lot of questioning. Have my bad decisions that I made gotten us into this spot? So then walking by her computer and seeing a job posting, I immediately assumed she's going to leave the company. The business is struggling. She's jumping ship. 
I'm a terrible boss. She wouldn't be looking for a new position if I was meeting her needs and taking care of her. I'm failing. And I made up this story and it really bothered me. I mean, like not sleeping at night and just feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. And a few days later, I decided to actually just get up the nerve and courage and ask her. So I sat down with her for coffee and I said, are you happy here? And she said, yes, absolutely. And I said, are there other roles that maybe you want to try within the company? And she said, not really. Why are you asking this? And so I had to admit, well, because I saw you looking at LinkedIn and the story I'm telling myself is you're getting ready to leave. And she said, oh my goodness, not at all. I love working here. My sister is searching for a new job and sent me her resume to look over and I was checking it against the job posting she's replying to. So all of a sudden, problem solved. By clarifying the facts, it cleared the air essentially. Totally, totally. And as someone who's very in tune with what other people are feeling, my mind can make up crazy stories and fill in those blanks <laughs> so fast, especially when there's strong emotion behind it. Colleen has a super high EQ, and as somebody who maybe isn't as in touch with his feelings, my question would be, how do you know when you're actually having an emotional reaction. Yes, so your body can definitely give you cues and feeling emotion, when feeling emotion is triggered. So for instance, for me, my face gets all flushed, my neck gets red and blotchy. I am not somebody you wanna play poker with. I give it all away, <laughs> I give it all away. <laughs> or, or maybe it's not nervous, palms sweaty, numb, you know, not in the stomach. Maybe you feel like punching a wall. That's a clue. A lot of guys get mad. That's a surface emotion when they feel hurt. Or you want to eat a bag of chips, have a glass of wine or chocolate, right, ladies? <laughs> Chocolate's always very good. And sometimes we want to just stuff those feelings down with stress eating. And that is 100% my go-to response when it comes to our children. You will see me literally shoving every carb <laughs> in the house down my mouth. And I'm obsessing over what our son said in a text. Why is that? Yeah, so you've kind of got to get curious about your feelings because a lot of times there is emotion there and, and the more emotion there is, the wilder your story gets. Mm. Isn't that interesting? When you have to tell yourself a story that has a lot of emotion, I think she's doing this, it's typically not very accurate or logical. So if you find yourself, your story is, is angry or, it's, or you're self-righteous, you know, it's a clue. You're probably not being fully honest. So first you got to identify the story you're telling yourself and then check it against the facts, your assumptions. Why does that text make me so upset? By the way, texts are like the root of all evil, aren't they? Texts are from Satan himself, (laughs) for sure. Because think about it. You can't hear the tone of voice. You can't see their body language. You have no idea how they meant it. And I actually remember one time I sent a text to one of my girlfriends and she didn't respond at all. So I instantly started making up this story. She, you know, she doesn't care about me. Clearly I'm not that important. And then as time goes on, it kind of moves to anger, right? And I'm like, how rude. (laughs) But later on I found out um, she, her phone had died, right? So the other side of that is I have been the person who's done that because I had a good friend who sent me this really long text, like just pouring out her heart in this text. But I got it at work and I literally read it between two meetings. So I read it, but because there was so much there, I couldn't just give a quick answer. So I said, okay, I'll do this later. So the day goes on, I get 10 more texts, work is over. 
I completely forget about it. Don't even respond, which is worse because now it's read and not responded. It's it's different if it's unread and not responded, but I read it. She knew I read it and I didn't respond. You didn't even give the heart emoji? Nothing. Oh, you always give the heart emoji. So of course, then I started telling myself, I am the world's worst friend. Like who does that? She clearly does not feel cared for by me. What a terrible friend I am. Okay, so that goes into the self-loathing, worthlessness. How do you use this skill in that scenario? Well, I actually did use the skill in that scenario and I, called her and I said, hey, I'm so sorry I didn't text you back the other day. I read your note and completely forgot by the time I got home. And the story I'm telling myself is that I'm a bad friend and you must feel like I don't care. And she was such a sweetheart, just so filled with grace. And she said, Carl, not at all. I know you're crazy busy and I don't always expect you to answer. Just you circling back means the world to me. And that's why I sent it to you. Guys, the number one source of tension in most relationships is unmet expectations, right? You expect the other person to know what you want before you even say it. For example, have you ever had someone in your family say, you know, you know, my kids should know I need help around the house. I, I shouldn't have to ask. They should just know, right? Listen, you can have all the expectations you want in the world, but they are not valid if they are unconscious, That is, most expectations we're not even aware of until somebody actually disappoints us. Yeah, and when we first got married, I assumed that Tim would do all of the traditional roles in the house. So taking out the garbage, paying the bills, fixing stuff around the house, because my grandfather was super handy. And so he took care of all that stuff. So I unconsciously expected you would. (laughs) Silly girl. That was very unrealistic. That's the second thing. Let me tell you, when we first got married, I assumed we'd be having sex every night. I was. I was like, you know, or maybe more. I was like, totally unrealistic. Invalid expectations are often also unspoken. We never verbalize them. Yeah, we, we often never verbalize and tell the other person what we expect. I would get so upset with Tim when he would leave dirty dishes in the sink and not put them in the dishwasher. And he'd say, honey, I am so happy to put the dirty dishes in the sink, in the dishwasher. You just have to tell me. And I'd think, huh, I'm an adult. I see there's dirty dishes. I know they go in the dishwasher. He's an adult. He sees dirty dishes. You should just know. Why do I have to tell you? Unspoken expectation. (laughs) And unagreed upon. Okay, here's the most important. You may have your own thoughts about like what's expected, what you grew up with, but the other person never agreed to it. That is true. So beginning of our marriage, every Saturday was a major problem. So we both worked hard during the week and looked forward to our day off together, but we, we had very different ideas of what Saturday would look like. So little background, I am sort of a chores first, play later kind of gal, and Tim is a play first, chores maybe kind of guy. (laughs) So our Saturdays were often spent fighting. And this is the secret to EQ, guys. Lean in, listen to this. Emotionally intelligent adults would rather resolve the tension than dissolve the relationship. In other words, that's a choice only you can make. Would you rather, you hold on to your plank, or would you rather resolve the tension, or like, no, I'm going to dissolve the relationship. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Maybe you're like, isn't this just psychobabble? You know, this is Counselor Tim and Colin on the couch. No, 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 no. 
This is exactly what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. He literally gets up in our grill and says, you hypocrite. Stop looking at the, the speck in her eye. Take the plank out of your own and then maybe, just maybe, you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, if you want to fix the relationship, you've got to fix your focus on your own blind spot. <laughs> like Jesus says, even, here's the hard part, even if you think they're 90% responsible for the conflict, Jesus is like, you have to minimize their role. She's got a speck and magnify yours. You, you got to say, Lord, I got a plank, even if it's only 5%. Jesus, you got to help remove this thing out of my heart. You got to help me see her with eyes of love. See, you don't just pray for the other. Jesus, change, change her, change him. Jesus wants to change your heart first before he can touch hers. Yeah, and Tim and I had so many unmet expectations in the early years of our marriage. And we might not have made it if it weren't for Jesus. And this is where I get to brag on my husband. I get a little teary, excuse me. Because early on when we fought, Tim was always the first one to go off and pray and process with God. And he was always the first one to come back and apologize, even if it wasn't his fault at all. He was always the first one to come back because of Jesus. He was called to humility and laying down his life. And that really set the foundation for our marriage. So thank you, honey. That's very sweet. 25 years later. Guys, when I think about what might have happened if we threw in the towel on the marriage, right? We wouldn't have our amazing kids. We wouldn't have each other. There would be no liquid church. We wouldn't be sitting here. Some of you might not be headed for heaven. I think of all the blessings we might have missed if I had listened to my pride or Kyle had listened to hers. So guys, that's why emotionally intelligent adults would rather resolve the tension than dissolve the relationship. So I want to challenge you. Practice this skill with someone you love this week. It might be with your husband or wife. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your friend or your roommate. But clarify expectations with that person before there's an issue. It's the only way to write a different ending to the story you're telling yourself. And the next time you're in a situation that pushes your buttons, whether it's a breakup or it's a setback at work, you feel those emotions, anger, disappointment, you're embarrassed. Share the story you're telling yourself and simply ask for the truth. As Jesus said, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But first, it will make you miserable. <laughs> Can we thank Colleen for joining us today? Love you, sweetie. Love you. Listen, hey, before we pray for you guys and turn it over to your campus leaders, I want to give you a little homework over lunch, okay? A little exercise. I want you to flex your EQ muscles. So over your next meal with a family member or friend, I want you to tell them about a recent hurt or misunderstanding you had with someone. Maybe it's them. I don't know. They didn't return your text or call or do a chore that you expect them to do. And answer this question. What story did you tell yourself? I want you to actually tell them the story you were telling yourself. And then practice pulling that plank out of your eye by saying, the story I'm telling myself is, and then, is that accurate? Is that true? Just ask them to clarify the facts and their true intent instead of making assumptions. Sound good? All right, let me pray for us. Let's pray for everyone, baby. Let's stand, everybody. Come on, all our campuses, stand together. Put your hands out, open hand, sign of an open heart. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you for making us wonderfully made. We are people who feel deeply, incredibly complex creatures, the crown of your creation as humans. And we have this capacity to think and to feel deeply. 
But while our feelings are real, they're not always reliable. And so we come to you, Jesus, and we ask you now, fill us with your love, your patience, with your grace. Would you forgive us where we have slandered people in our heart and give us the courage to pull the plank out of our own eye? I pray right now for every relationship in all of our campuses, those online, Holy Spirit, would you open new channels of communication between husbands and wives, parents and teens, between friends and family members where there's tension. Give us the emotional strength and courage to love each other well as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.